And uh, yes, we are in the book of uh, 1 Timothy. And uh, if you weren't here with us uh, last week, let me just give a little bit of review of uh, what we covered. Um, Timothy, the letter Timothy, is written after Paul's first imprisonment in, in Rome. If you'll go back and read Acts chapter 28, um, Paul is still in that Roman prison at the conclusion of that book. But uh, sometime after that uh, first imprisonment, he was released, uh, went back on mission, and during that uh, mission, he assigned uh, Timothy, his uh, protege, his disciple, to remain in Ephesus. Paul had been, uh, had planted the church in Ephesus, had stayed there about three years. And, uh, and so Paul has now assigned Timothy as, uh, the, uh, the apostle, um, in that, uh, Ephesus church. <clears throat> now, from history, we learned that, uh, in 64 AD, uh, Rome burned down. And uh, when, when Rome burned, uh, some people tried to blame Nero that uh, he started the fire, but that uh, cannot be proven. Um, but Nero, when Rome burned, he blamed the Christians. And uh, in blaming the Christians, he, uh, he said he made a decree that uh, the religion um, Christianity was now going to be illegal. And that made things very difficult uh, for Christians in Rome. And in fact, uh, after the burning of Rome, uh, Nero had Paul uh, arrested uh, once again. And, uh, and so before that second imprisonment, uh, Paul wrote this letter to uh, Timothy in Ephesus, and that was kind of around, maybe around 65 A.D. There's not an exact date on that. Second Timothy uh, was written when Paul uh, was in prison for the second time and just before he was beheaded. And so that was around 67 A.D. when Second Timothy was written. But, uh, but we're going through First Timothy right now. And... Uh, the purpose of First Timothy, I mentioned uh, some of this last week. This is the purpose of uh, why Paul wrote this letter to Timothy in the church of Ephesus. It says, the purpose is Christ-centered godliness for the sake of the gospel. You will read the word godly or godliness ten times in this letter. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 10, chapter uh, 3, verse 16, and, and so on. Uh, but godliness is mentioned ten times. And if there's a key verse that uh, um, describes First Timothy in a nutshell, it would be First Peter or First Timothy chapter three verses fourteen and fifteen. Uh, Paul says this to Timothy: Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, 
which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And so he wants people to know how to live uh, godly lives. And in everything that Paul shares with Timothy, it is always... um, marinating it is it is based upon the gospel the good news of christ and even in verse 15 he says so the people may know how to conduct themselves in god's household which is the church of the living god we don't have a dead god we have a living god in the person of jesus christ and this Person, this living God is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Church, we're here this morning because of the person of Christ. We're here because of the good news of the gospel that has transformed our heart and life. It is all about Jesus. Paul mentions this in Ephesians chapter 2 about this foundation. Uh, he says this in verse 19. He says, the members of his household, talking about the church believers, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And so Jesus is the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. He is the pillar that keeps this building um, uh, erected, also including the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. Why are they important? Because the Holy Spirit has inspired them, has revealed to them who this living God is and the life that he lived on earth, and how that translates from what the prophets of the Old Testament were saying about the coming Messiah, and how we are to live our lives and know this living God personally. They expound upon the life of Jesus Christ, and it only came through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so the letters that we have from Paul, um, the writing from Luke, the uh, book of Luke and the book of Acts, uh, Peter and uh, other authors, it's all centered, it's all paced upon the person of Christ and what he came to do. And so when Paul talks about godliness, this godliness has to come through the gospel. Now, there were some false teachers in Ephesus. Uh, in fact, Paul names them in uh, chapter 1. Uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander. They didn't believe the gospel. They didn't believe that Jesus was enough. They were encouraging, they were telling people that they had to adhere to uh, particular Old Testament laws. Uh, that they had to live a life of asceticism. Uh, avoid certain things. Not get married. And if you were to do these things, uh, you would be uh, uh, godlier, uh, 
holier, um, morally superior to those who just follow Christ. And Paul is encouraging Timothy in chapter 1 that you need to address these false teachers. That it is only about the gospel and all that Christ has done for us. This is to be the center of your instruction, Timothy. Only by believing the gospel can one grow into Christ-like godliness. And that's God's will for all of our lives. That we would live holy, godly, Christ-centered lives. And we can't do it outside a relationship with Christ. Not just coming and giving our hearts and lives to him by faith, but continuing to walk in faith with him. Each day of our lives, being totally dependent on him. And so last week we looked at uh, the the fact that the gospel is to be the message of the church. And in, in proclaiming this gospel, Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, you've got to defend this gospel. You know, address these false teachers. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing more. It's not Jesus Christ plus something. It's Jesus Christ, period. And believing in what he has done. So we defend the gospel, Peter, or Timothy. You need to celebrate the gospel. And then, and Paul talks about his own, uh, personal encounter with Jesus Christ and how, how Christ radically transformed Paul. And, uh, Paul is saying, if, if, if God can save me, the worst of sinners, he can save anybody. Let this be an encouragement to you, Timothy. And then finally, and we didn't get to this last week, um, we need to fight for the gospel. Paul tells us at the end of chapter 1 that we need to fight personally for the, for the gospel. Uh, uh, fight the good fight within you. You know, don't ever drift away from the gospel. We live in a culture and we have a heart of, of, uh, of flesh that, uh, w- would prefer to drift away from the gospel, would want to depend upon ourselves and, and what we can accomplish rather than trusting God's Christ continually, daily. And so Paul says, fight for the gospel in you, to keep the gospel in your heart and life. And then he also goes on to say, fight for the gospel in your church. You know, confront those who are false teachers. And Paul says some some harsh things at the end of uh, chapter chapter 1. He says, rejecting this, by rejecting... Well, verse 19, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwrecked of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul was well acquainted with these two individuals. I'm sure he had encounters with them when uh, he was... um, 
being with these people for those three years in Ephesus. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, you need to get in their face. And I have, I have handed over to them over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. We have a responsibility, church, to guard the gospel. To teach the gospel correctly. To live Christ-like, godly lives. And we can't do this apart from the gospel. Paul is passionate about this message. And he's encouraging this young pastor uh, of this Ephesus church. I'm sure Timothy is feeling as if he's over his head. He doesn't have the same kind of personality or temperament that Paul has. I mean, Paul is bold. Paul is going to get in your face. Uh, Timothy has a lot softer personality. And Paul is encouraging him through first and then second Timothy. Don't let these guys run over you, Timothy. You believe. You keep believing what God has entrusted you with. So it's all about Christ-centered living. And that's what Galatians 2.20 is all about. Paul is continually reminding himself that I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I can't do these things that Christ has called me to. It is Christ who is living in and through me. I the. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is continually reminding himself of all that Christ has already done for him. And God just wants us to believe that and continue to believe that by faith. So now we come to chapter 2. And in looking at this Christ-centered godliness, what does it look like? How are we to behave as God's people? Well, he tells us in verse 1, it starts out with prayer. He says, first of all, I urge you. That's a a strong word. It's You you could basically, him, him being saying to us, I command you, Timothy, through supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving, that they be made for all people. The emphasis is on prayer. We have a saving mission. We are surrounded by lost people. Uh, lost people are everywhere, in every location. And we need to be praying 
that is our responsibility. And so he uses these four different words just that we might get the message. Be people for, of prayer. And who are we need to, who do we need to be praying for? Paul says, for all people. Not just the ones you're familiar with, but we are to love all people. We are to pray for all people. Including, Paul says in verse 2, kings and all who are in high positions. We need to be praying for them. Why? So that the gospel, that, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. God's desire for his church, for his people, to live uh, in peace, to live godly, dignified, uh, peaceful lives. And if that's going to happen, we have a responsibility as God's people. We need to be people of prayer, prayer and be praying for all people. And as we do that, verse 3 says, this pleases God. You want to be a God pleaser? I want to be a God pleaser. And to be honest with you, I often fail in this area. And I need to do better. Not in my flesh, but remind myself of all that Christ has already done for me. Paul says that he's the chief among sinners. You know what? I too am the chief among sinners. Christ saved me and I wasn't worth saving in my mind. But in his mind, in the the mind of God, the sovereign will of God. God says, my son was worth dying in your place, Bill Logan. It's all about the gospel. That is what we are to do. And when we do this, we please God. And you know, the only place you're going to hear this message is the church. You're not going to hear it on CNN or Fox News or ABC or NBC or whatever channel out there. That's not their message. Their message is to try to spin you up as much as possible so that you can be angry and live in fear and hopelessness. But that's not the answer. The answer to the problems in this world And there are lots of problems in this world that we're all familiar with. The answer is Jesus. The answer is the good news of the gospel. That's our agenda. It's not politics. It's not trying to control people's lives. 
It's about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And when people surrender their lives to Jesus Christ, when they admit that they're a sinner and they realize that their only hope is Christ and Christ rules in their hearts, a life can be changed. And we can't change that life. Only God can change that life. I can't, through this message, change a life. It's only the Spirit of God. My responsibility, your responsibility, is to tell the truth. You are people in the know. We are in the know. And we just are a witness. We just tell what Christ has done. And we leave the results to God. And if God invades an individual's heart, that heart, that life can be changed. It's not by creating more laws in Washington, D.C. or any other place around the world. The only person that can change a heart is Jesus Christ. This is our message and Paul tells this to Timothy in verse 15 of chap- chapter 1. He says this, This is a trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. That's the gospel. That's the message we have to proclaim. God wants us to be faithful. God is exhorting Timothy in chapter 2 to be a person of prayer that evangelism might uh, might not have any obstacles. Verse 3, For this is good and it is pleasing in the God of our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We are to be his witnesses, church. And in being his witness, it begins with prayer. And it's not a hard thing to do. You can pray in your bed. You can pray in the shower. You can pray in your quiet time. You can pray while you're driving. We can all be people of prayer. This is God's will. This is God's desire for each of our lives. And again, it is a gospel-based prayer. We don't just pray to pray. Our prayer, our obedience, our godliness... Again, it all needs to be marinated in the gospel. Paul goes, he completes uh, this first paragraph with the gospel. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Do you hear the gospel in these words? 
which is the testimony given at the proper time. And for this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Don't be ashamed, Timothy. Don't be ashamed, Christian. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You witness. Oftentimes you're discouraged because, you know, people don't make a decision. People don't seem to care or are ignoring your uh, message or they're distracted by other things. Just be faithful. Plant the seeds. There is going to come a time in their life where they will be hungrier for the things that you have to say. And oftentimes that occurs when there is a crisis in their life. That doesn't mean you have to preach to them at that point. You just love on them. You pray for them. Share your story of what Christ does in your life. But Paul says, be people of prayer. This is the truth. Jesus is the answer. We're going to be people, if people are going to experience um, peaceful, quiet, godly lives, it will be, be because they have come to the knowledge of the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus ruling in their heart. And so the application of this message this morning is we're going to take some time to pray. I've asked five people to come up this morning and to pray. And we're going to, uh, Paul tells Timothy that uh, we need to pray for kings. Now you need to understand, um, when Paul said this, it was a very dangerous time for Christians um, when Paul was writing Timothy. Rome had burned Nero hated Christians, and he was on the hunt. And Christians were being persecuted and tortured and fed to the lions. Uh, Christians were being dipped in oil and, and burned on stakes in Nero's garden so that Nero's friends could enjoy uh, the beauty of his garden by night. It was a dangerous time for followers of Christ. And yet Paul tells Timothy, pray for kings. Pray for Nero. So this morning we're going to be praying for some places where it's not going well for believers. And we have sent people from our church to these areas, or they've come from this area. And 
And they know what's going on. They've been in contact with uh, believers in these areas, and it's dangerous. And Paul says, we need to pray. We need to pray for those presidents. We need to pray for believers that they might lead peaceful and quiet and godly lives. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So I've I've asked uh, Jim Witham to come pray for Myanmar. I've asked Carol Bowles to come and pray for China. I've asked Bertrand to come and pray for Cameroon. I've asked Matt Cropley to come and pray for Togo. And I've asked Harlan Coima to come and pray for the United States and each of those presidents. And so we're going to begin with, with Jim this morning. So if you're praying this morning as we pray, just make your way to the front and just pop up when the person in front of you is done. Okay? Thank you, Jim, for starting us off. All right, church, this is a, a holy time when we get to come before the Lord. Um, I don't know about you, I'm a little tired this morning, so let's try to make our prayers active this morning, that uh, we don't close our eyes and go to sleep, but that uh, we join one another before the throne room of God. And uh, there's this amazing thing in Christendom, it's, it's the word, amen. So while these men are praying, please, if you want God to grant these prayers... Say amen. Keeps you awake, too. But uh, let's go before the Lord this morning. And uh, I'm going to intercede for the country of Myanmar. Uh, the rebel armies are causing a lot of havoc in the Christian churches and to the pastors there. So I'm going to pray specifically for the generals of the rebel army. But uh, please join me in prayer. And don't forget about the amening. Let's pray together. God, our Father, I do want to lift up the president of Myanmar to you today, Win Myint, and the de facto leader of the party there, Aung San Suu Kyi. Lord, I pray for these two, that you would move in their hearts to, uh, to trust in Christ, to believe in him, and let him rule in their lives. I pray for these rebel army generals as well, Lord. Lord, that you would work in their lives to bring faith that they would no longer persecute the believers there, but that they too would give their lives to you, that Christ would rule in their hearts, and that he would be known in their And everyone said, thank you. lifting up China. Um, some of you know what's going on in China right now. There's a wave of persecution to eradicate all the house churches. They are tearing down crosses from the government churches and putting in its place a Chinese flag. Inside the churches, there are no longer going to be scriptures or religious pictures, but there's a picture being placed of the Chinese president, Xi Jinping. So China needs prayer. Also, the children, the school-aged children, are being coerced into denying their faith in Christ. So that's a real prayer request. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Heavenly Father God, we just praise you and thank you for our Chinese brothers and sisters, Lord, who are being refined in the the fire of persecution, Father. You are moving so much. Your Holy Spirit is moving among China. So many people are coming to know the Lord. We thank you and praise you, Father God, that so many know you and are coming to salvation. We pray for the president of China and all those leaders who are in control. We ask that you would touch his heart, Lord, and may salvation come to his home, Lord. May he enact policies, government policies that will glorify you, Lord, and may the world be at peace. Father, we pray for these children in school who are being coerced into denying their faith in you, Lord. I can't imagine the guilt that they must feel now, but Lord, I ask that you show them, grant them peace and, and help them to know that you love them still and that you care about them. Father, I pray for all the persecuted Chinese. Lord, I I just pray that you would strengthen them up in their faith. I pray for those who are in prison, Father, that, that you would be with them in a very real way, that you would help them to share their faith, Father. Even in prison, may the gospel message go out. Father, we just praise you and thank you for all that you're doing in China. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Fellow Christian brothers and sisters, I stand here on behalf of my country, Cameroon. For the past three years now, we have been experiencing a lot of political instability. It all started with the Anglophone crisis that has uh, actually displaced uh, more than 4,000 English-speaking Cameroonians who are now refugees in Nigeria, and we have uh, internally displaced Cameroonians who are living in the jungle. October 7, uh, Cameroon experienced a presidential uh, vote. They were about to vote for a new uh, president. The acting president who is in power, he has been ruling since 1982. And uh, he has done all he can to maintain power up till today. And the generation of today, they actually need change. So tomorrow we are expecting the final results for the outcoming uh, vote. Right now, as I'm speaking, there's already protests on the street. The entire nation is protesting. If this president should be re-elected, this will be, uh, I believe the country will be torn apart. But on his, uh, what he's actually doing now, as I uh, got information from a formal friend who is still in active service, there are 2,500 Chadian troops, 1,500 troops in Niger, ready to step in into Cameroon and kill everybody if tomorrow he wins the election and the people try to protest. So 
my country really need prayers people are fleeing the country every day and if this country should uh, face this kind of crisis it is going to affect more than five african countries who are actually depending on cameroon for food electricity and uh, even our waters that they use in shipping goods into their own countries so when pastor told me of about uh, the prayer request of today I actually sat down last night and I prayed asking God to give me inspiration to write down a prayer. So I'd like to pray with the entire congregation. Father in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you because all powers belongs to you. Thank you because you always answer my prayers. I ask for forgiveness on behalf of my country Cameroon. Forgive us Lord, for we have not walked in your ways. I repent for the wickedness of injustice, nepotism, tribalism, hatred, bloodshed, idolatry, and having not given you the rightful place in our nation. Wherever we have exalted any idol before you, forgive us, Lord. Show us mercy, O God. In your words, you say, ask for a nation. Father, I ask for the land of Cameroon. Remember your children, O Lord. Those those oppressed and trampled upon by the current situation, hunger and thirst. O Lord, remember mercy and heal our land. I plead the blood of Jesus over this land. Let that blood that speak better than the blood of Abel speak peace in Cameroon at all times and in every situation. Let our present leaders and those who will follow the leaders that are after your heart, O oh Lord. Lord God, always provide to your people leaders chosen by you. Let peace and love reign. Let any power thirsty for blood of your people be quenched by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I conceal violence in Jesus' name. I decree peace, prosperity, and blessings to this land. In Jesus' mighty name, let peace be upon the four corners of this great nation. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. morning we're praying for togo uh, for the president of togo africa and uh for kazingbe i did a little reading uh on the internet on him as well he uh he grew to power through his family and it's sad to say through corruption he was elected in and he uh he the military pretty much runs the country he, he tells them what to do but um, I want to pray for him for wisdom and uh, and love mostly that he would run his country through love and stop the violence, the uh, rioting. When we went last year, you know, last year, year before, they had rioting and the people were dying through this um, result of the rioting. It, it's just it's corruption. But anyways, I want to pray for his country. And so I'm going to go you with prayer. 
Father God, we just come before you, Lord, and we ask that you would just uh, love in this country and uh, be with uh, the, the president and uh, bring stability in the country, Lord, more than anything. Just uh, the, the corruption in the um, voting process needs to go. And, Lord, we ask that you would... Uh, um, morning and just bring bring love into that country lord it needs it bad also uh the good things lord the word of uh god is being spread through the northern part of togo i know that we see it through our water ministry lord and through the hospital um there's good being done in this country and we just ask that you would continue to uh keep that growing lord uh throughout not just the north but throughout lord um lord we ask this in uh, jesus name amen Join me as we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are the God who sees and hears, and you are the God that makes men's eyes to be open and their ears to hear, and we come to you now, today, pleading for your mercy. We are a weak and soft church in America. We have become distracted by our wealth and our luxury and we do not look to you for our strength. We have turned to political power and efforts seeking to make our everyday existence comfortable for our own good. Forgive us, Lord. We plead for your forgiveness. We do not deserve your forgiveness. We, the church in America, are not special, but you have called us to be your people. Forgive us of our pride. Forgive us of our self-centeredness. We are weak and prone to wonder. Only you can open our hearts, our minds, to love you and know you. And we ask, Lord, that you will forgive us. Lord, we also ask that you will give us the boldness needed to speak the truth in love, telling people that Jesus died for the sins of those who will believe in him that he rose again on the third day, and he is alive, and that he is in heaven right now, interceding for his people. These are the only words that bring life, true life with you, our God. Give your church in America a voice, not a political voice, but a voice carrying the message of our Savior and Lord, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. Lord, we pray for our Christian brothers in America who are being persecuted for your name. Those brought before the courts and expected to turn their back on their Savior to maintain their livelihood. We ask that you will give them the strength needed to hold firm to you. And we pray you will use these circumstances to make your name known in this country and that by the witness of our persecuted brothers, your kingdom will grow. You have promised this in your word, and we now call upon you to keep your promise and to grow your kingdom. Father, I pray for President Trump. You have placed him as the leader of this nation, for you are the God that raises up leaders and nations, and you are the God that brings leaders and nations down. So we recognize your sovereignty. 
and we pray for our president, President Donald Trump. Give him the wisdom he needs to lead this nation. Give him the strength he needs, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual strength. Work in his heart that he will seek your wisdom, for only you have true wisdom, and only you can provide the strength he needs. Provide wise advisors to assist him. Provide a Congress that will work with him to lead this nation that you have seen fit to create. And Father, we ask that President Trump will humble himself before you as he leads. We pray he will seek you and your wisdom daily. We pray that your spirit will be his advisor and guide. And we pray that your name will be made known and be made great in this land we call America, our earthly home. And in all these requests, we will trust you to do what is right according to your will. And we trust that it will be for our benefit. For only you, Lord, can accomplish these things. And we pray this in your Son's precious name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. And that's our message for today. Uh, worship team's coming up now. We're going to conclude this service with uh, singing that song one more time, Heal Our Land. Church, our only hope is Jesus. And we can leave here this morning in confidence that Jesus is on his throne, that Jesus is will is being carried out throughout this land, throughout this world, and that you and I have a responsibility to be people of prayer. As we pray, things will change in this country and in places around the world. So let's stand.